episode discusses topics such as depression, sexual assault, suicide, and mental illness. These topics may be disturbing to some listeners. If you or someone you know has a mental illness, is struggling emotionally, or has concerns about their mental health, there are ways to get help. Use these resources to find help for you, a friend, or a family member. Call 911 if you or someone you know is in immediate danger or go to the nearest emergency room. For the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, call 1-800-273-8255. The Lifeline is free, it's confidential, and it's available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. This Lifeline will connect you to the nearest crisis center in the Lifeline National Network, and these centers provide crisis counseling and mental health referrals. You can also use their Lifeline chat on their website, which is www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Also, you can use the crisis text line. If you're not comfortable talking on the phone with a stranger, you can text HELLO, H-E-L-L-O, to 741741. The crisis text hotline is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week as well, The crisis text line serves anyone in any type of crisis, connecting them with a crisis counselor who can provide support and information for them as well. Help is available. The first step is asking for help. These are just two of the resources that are available today. A simple Google search will give you hundreds and hundreds of options, but I just find that the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and the crisis text line are the easiest to utilize and people are always willing to help. The first step is asking for help. I had a super hard time getting myself to finish this episode. I feel like I started everything out lighthearted, something funny, because that is how I am most of the time and I know that that is entertaining. But the truth is is that everyone has a story and probably everyone has struggled with something at some point in their life. But I feel like in order to fully understand my humor, my outlook on certain things, you need to know my story. And when I say my story, I don't mean where I'm from, where I went to school, what I do for work, what I do in my free time. I mean starting all the way back from when I was a kid, when something happened to me that ended up changing the entire course of the rest of my life and I didn't even know or realize this until I was an adult. I have become a more private person over the years. I feel like one of my coping mechanisms in the past was to basically scream out for attention, but that's not the way I am anymore. The only reason that I share this story is because I know that it will help other people. I know that by being transparent about these issues, it might help to lift the stigma that is placed on depression, mental illness, sexual assault, putting the blame on the victim, things that still happen today that, you know, just shouldn't. If this helps you in any way, even the smallest way, and it just makes you realize that you're not alone, then my job is done. I hope that this impacts you in a greater magnitude, but I think everyone can resonate with some part of this story. So please forgive me if I keep stopping to drink water. I am super nervous right now. I don't know why I just um I've shared this story so many times but for some reason I feel like I don't know there's like a certain pressure in sharing your experiences with people because then I feel like it puts a responsibility on you to help other people which I don't mind but also provide advice to people which I don't necessarily think that 
I'm qualified to give people advice on these topics. I can only speak on my experience and my healing process and what worked for me. And what worked for me could be much different than something that works for you or someone else. For as long as I can remember, I've struggled with anxiety. I didn't struggle with depression until much later on in my life, but even as a kid, I was super anxious. I never wanted to be away from my mom or my dad. I would have rather just stayed home. I didn't like to be around strangers, and I wouldn't necessarily say that I was shy because my parents raised my siblings and I to be able to say hello and kind of hold up small conversations when we were kids just because no one likes a kid who doesn't respond to you when you say, hey, how are you? (laughs) I mean, whatever. But yeah, I mean, even as a very young kid, I mean, I can remember my dad dropping me off one day in kindergarten and me just literally screaming, begging him not to drop me off at school. I just wanted to go home. I just didn't like being away from my parents. I don't think I felt safe with anyone else. And obviously when you're young, you have that feeling of anxiety, but you're not sure what it is because you're just a kid. You have no idea. These are things that you shouldn't have to worry about when you're that young. But sometimes this just happens. I think most kids experience anxiety for some reason or another at some point in their life, but I just want to say before I really get into the story is that although I am, you know, putting this podcast out anonymously, I do believe that some of these stories could potentially point you in my direction. I just want to preface by saying that I was molested by my uncle when I was probably between the ages of four and six. But I just wanted to say that this is my dad's side. This is not my mom's side. My dad only has a brother. I don't have any cousins on that side. No other aunts or uncles. It's just them. And also, let me say that I have amazing parents who are super supportive. They have always tried to protect me. And the only reason that they were not able to protect me in this situation is because they had no fucking idea what was going on. I'm going to fast forward like two decades, (laughs) not quite, but I'm going to fast forward to when I was 22. My friend and I, we had just gone to the city for a suicide prevention walk. We raised money to help support this organization and it was like kind of surreal, honestly, to be there and see all of these people coming together for one cause. There are people who have attempted to take their own lives, people who lost someone to suicide, people who struggle with mental illness, some way or another, depression, suicide, mental illness has affected them in some way or another, even if they were just there supporting their friend. So we're driving home from this walk, and honestly, I'm feeling a little out of sorts at this point. I'm just kind of overwhelmed, and it was a great experience, but I was having some major weird flashbacks happening this entire day. I always knew that, you know, something something happened when I was younger. But when you are coping with trauma, you can repress these memories and they just kind of go away, but they sometimes come back. And most of the time they're more detailed or more intense. I looked over at my friend and I must have looked like I just saw a ghost because she was like, you are gray. <laughs> And I was like, I need to tell you something. And I've never told anyone this. I need to get this off of my chest. I feel like, you know, I've just been holding it in forever. And I just feel like this is the time. I feel comfortable. You're my best friend. And I told her what happened. And this is one of those things that when someone tells you something like that, you're not even sure how to respond. She was super supportive, you know, told me that she wouldn't ask any questions and that if I wanted to talk about it, I could bring it up to her, but that she would never bring it up again unless I initiated the conversation. But also that she was like, my silence or me not asking you about it is not saying I don't care. I just want you to talk about this on your own terms, which I really appreciated because I feel like most of the time, like I'm a super nosy person in that situation, I wouldn't press, but you know, you want to know more. You want to know what happened. There's so many questions just saying, oh, I was molested when I was a kid. Then it's like, by who and where and when and why? But she was super respectful. And as time went on, I kind of told her more and it's important to have someone. Even at that time, I had only told one person, but that alone took 
such a sense of shame and anxiety off of my chest. And when I say shame, I don't mean I'm ashamed of what happened to me or that I'm embarrassed. And people always say, oh, you know, it's not your fault. You were just a kid. I always knew that it wasn't my fault. Never, ever did I blame myself. I was always very aware that I was a child and that was out of my control. There is very little I could have done to prevent this from happening just based on how I was as a kid. I never said no to anyone. I never wanted to disappoint anyone. I never wanted to make anyone upset or mad. And now no is my favorite word. I say no to fucking everything. If I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. But when I was a kid, I was much different than I am now. I just, I don't even want to say gave in to things, but I just kind of did what people told me to do, even if I didn't think I wanted to do it. I think the shame part comes in with feeling like I was hiding something from my family for years. I always felt like I was doing something wrong by not telling them. And I know that's that's not the case. They were not mad that I waited so long. They were upset and they felt responsible. But everyone talks about things in their own time. And my life started to spiral out of control because of this. And I really had no choice at this point other than to tell my parents. I guess I'll tell you exactly what happened first and then kind of talk about things that happened since then. So we used to go over my dad's parents' house a lot. You'll notice I say dad's parents because I do not have any type of relationship with them anymore. They are not anything to me. They are both alive, yes, but to me, they are not. We used to go over my dad's parents' house for holidays. We were over there a lot of Sundays. We lived two houses up the street from them, so we saw them all the time. And honestly, I had a great relationship with them for a long time. I loved spending time with them. I felt loved by them. I didn't feel like that relationship was going to just end one day, and that was it. My dad's brother is a loser. Not to be mean, but he is a loser. He lives with them still. He doesn't work. He's a grown-ass man, 50-plus years old. He's just an all-around shit human, and it's not hard to believe that he did what he did based on many of the things I'll tell you. So when we would be over my dad's parents' house and his mom would be getting dinner ready or something, we're Italian, so she would make huge dinners. You know, it takes a little while to get all of this food ready. So while dinner was being prepared, my siblings and I would often go down into their basement. They had a finished basement. It's kind of creepy and cold down there, but it was finished. There was carpet, there was a bathroom, couches, TV, you know, you're able to hang out down there. I always was kind of scared of this basement just because it, even though there were lights down there, it always just felt dark. The carpets were dark, the furniture was dark, the walls were wooden panels. I can remember it super vividly in my head now. And also one thing that I always remember is that they had these like fleece, silky, like brown blankets down there. It's not quite fleece. I can't explain the material exactly, but I just remember this specifically. So at this point, I was down there with my brother and sister, and we were just watching TV, and then my uncle came down. My sister's always been the polar opposite of me. Not so much now, but when we were kids, she would say no to everyone and everything. If she didn't want to do anything, she wouldn't do it. She is me now. <laughs> and I wish I could have been like that then, but I wasn't. And my brother kind of just followed one of us all the time because he was younger and at this point he was very young I mean he was probably two or three and he just followed my sister upstairs once my uncle came down because she fucking hated him they go upstairs and I start to walk up the stairs and my uncle goes oh st stay down here don't you want to stay down here with me and me being the little tiny kid that I was said okay sure so he comes down and he sits on the couch and there are two couches down there, you know, one like three person couch and one two person couch, kind of like set up in like an L. And he was like, oh, it's really cold down here. Why don't you sit with me and we'll, you know, watch TV until dinner is ready. And he put one of those brown blankets over our laps. 
Even though he commented on it being cold, once he put the blanket on me, he said, aren't you a little warm? You should probably take those stockings off. So, you know, when you're little and you go over, like I'm pretty sure it was Thanksgiving, you go over a family member's house, you get dressed up for a holiday. Like I had um, stockings on, a skirt and a shirt and a little sweater, a little kid outfit because I was a child and I took them off because I didn't think anything of it at the time. I was so young. I knew nothing. After that, he then proceeded to molest me and touched my private area. And at that point, I was scared. I just felt like that was wrong. And I did not enjoy it. I wanted to get up and run up the stairs. I don't think that he made me touch him. Not that that makes any difference whatsoever. But once he was done stripping me from my innocence... He said, put your stockings back on, we'll go up and eat dinner. I specifically remember putting my stockings back on backwards. And my mom helped me get dressed that day. So I knew that they didn't feel right when I put them back on because there's like that little seam by your toes and it was uncomfortable. I don't know why, that's just one of those small details that I remember. But I went upstairs and sat down after I put my stockings back on, let me go back. He said, isn't it cool having a secret between just you and me? And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, don't, you know, don't tell anyone about this. Like, this is, this is like our secret thing. You're my favorite out of your siblings and, you know, the whole spiel. And if you know me, you know that my whole life I've always been super, 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 super good at keeping secrets. I will take your shit to the grave. So... I kept that secret for a long, long time. But after this happened, a sequence of events happened that led my mom to not want us to ever be alone with him. So back to the basement. This is another day. I believe that this was the same year, but my dad's dad, he made this wooden gun that wasn't real, but looked real, obviously, and he had it mounted on the wall down the stairs. My siblings and I are down in the basement my uncle comes down and we're looking at the gun and it's way up on the wall we can't reach it but we're like oh whoa like i wonder if that's real and i asked my uncle i said is that gun real and he said do you want to find out and he took the gun off of the wall off of the mount that was on the wall and he held it up to my fucking head and i have never in my life been as scared as i was in that moment. I will never forget that. It was completely traumatizing. And even though that gun was not real, there was not a bullet in it. The fact that he felt comfortable taking that off the wall and putting it up to a kid's head says a lot about the kind of person that he is. So I was terrified. I ran up those stairs so fucking fast. And it's like in a dream where you run as fast as you possibly can, but no matter how fast you run, you feel like you're going so slow. And I finally get to the top of the stairs and I'm freaking out. And I tell my mom what happened and, you know, everyone's there when I tell them this. And they're like, oh no, it's just a joke because my fucking dad's parents will protect him until the day they die. So my mom was fucking pissed. She reamed him out and was like, why the fuck would you do something like that to a kid? There's something wrong with you. Like my kids are never allowed over here alone with you ever, 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 ever. So my dad's parents took great offense to this and they, for whatever reason, never really liked my mom, but this just put them over the edge and they decided that they just didn't like her anymore because she was mean to their son or made him feel bad. And my mom reacted the way that most parents would. And then her main goal was to protect us. So years following this, we have like a more strained relationship with my grandparents, but it's still not still not as bad as it got. It was just, um, we were just going over there less at some point, even though we lived right up the street. So this is all spanning between, say, between the ages of four and six until I was in second grade when we moved. So he surprisingly like always had a girlfriend and I'm like, who the fuck would want to date this dude? He's first of all, ugly as fuck. And he's just a weirdo, but most of the girlfriends that he had were honestly weird. And, like, his current girlfriend's very weird. But anyway, he worked for some kind of, like, 
medical transportation company. They literally transported organs or kidneys. I don't fucking know. It was weird. But he always said that he had like organs in his like cooler in the backseat of his car. And I still don't know if that's true. It probably wasn't, but it still freaked me out. But anyway, we're all outside playing on my grandparents front lawn and he pulls up out front in his car and he's like hey guys come over here and so like we go over to the car and he was like do you guys want to see pictures of of naked girls and i was like uh no what the fuck like i was a young kid but i knew like what the hell like i i don't know who these pictures were of if they were his girlfriend or whatever i have no idea but you know we kind of just like disperse and run away and told my mom of course and my mom's like dude what what is not going through your fucking skull like stop being a creep to my kids or we're not ever coming over here for any reason ever no matter if you're here or not so i guess i still was just kind of trying to be polite and nice not like i felt bad for him or anything but that's just the type of person i was and he was like oh you want to do something really cool for me um you know, does your mom get like Sears catalogs or like, you know, magazines? He was like, if you see any like really pretty girls in there, can you cut the pictures out for me and give them to me? And I do specifically remember cutting out a picture in a Sears catalog. This person was probably in a turtleneck sweater. That's how innocent I was, but I cut it out and gave it to him. And he was like, oh, great. But I just remember like giving that to him. And he was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, if you find any more, give them to me. To make matters worse on top of all of this, he's actually my godfather, which that means jack shit to me, especially now as an adult. I feel like my dad felt a great amount of pressure to make him my godfather because it was his only sibling and his parents gave him a hard time about everything. So very small detail, but it still pisses me off. At this point, my mom has had it. We all know he's weird. This is not why we moved, but we moved when I was in second grade and we didn't live up the street from them anymore. We live probably 20 minutes away from them now. So kind of getting him out of the picture, you would think would make things a little better for me probably, but my anxiety got really bad at this point. Not only was I moving to a new town, going to a new school halfway through the year, new friends, new everything, I was also subconsciously carrying around this anxiety, this fear of not being around my mom, someone that could protect me. I also had a hard time in school in general, not academically, but just people were not always nice. And I never really understood why they weren't because I was always nice, but going into the whole schooling thing is just such a small part of it. And I can go into my experience with school another day, but basically I was already carrying a great amount of anxiety as a young kid. And that did not make my transition into a new place any easier. And it continued to be this way. I do remember at a super young age, I lied a lot about dumb things. Like I would tell people I had a dog or a parrot or this or that. And I knew, oh, this is weird. Why am I saying this? Like, it's not, that's not true. Like I'm a huge fucking liar. And, you know, I go through middle school and high school and I wasn't like a huge liar them but still like telling these like fabricated stories or embellished things that were true but made them like a little better or a little more dress them up a little bit and I didn't know at the time but that was a type of coping mechanism it kind of was like escapism from what was going on didn't even realize that it was going on I was probably most anxious until I was on middle school I actually begged my mom to homeschool me going into high school and she was like listen you have your orientation if you hate it I will homeschool you and she was probably like please like it please like it I don't want to homeschool this kid well I ended up being so excited for high school I loved it um at first my freshman year I had a boyfriend and I was just finding my place and I was happy and things seemed okay but then my junior year, somebody very close to me died in an accident and things just kind of changed with my whole demeanor then. I definitely wasn't as kind as I used to be. I had no issue saying no to people. I was just fucking pissed. And a lot of things happened following that accident. 
going to also get into that another time, but I don't really want to get into that right now. So I was just different. And I actually, right after this person passed away, I met my now husband and we started dating. Our relationship has had so many ups and downs and, you know, we're better today than we've ever been. But it wasn't until I really opened up to him that he started to understand why I was the way that I was, why I would have random panic attacks, why I would get so pissed about things and just was not like everyone else and he did take the time to understand that and try to figure out how he could help me but until I told him what happened to me when I was a kid nothing really made sense so once he found that out he was like oh wow this makes sense as to why you are exactly the way you are so I'm kind of jumping all around but basically this was catching up to me what had happened to me as a kid you know that's a lot of trauma to carry around your entire life and not talk to anyone about I started to really like spiral out of control by the time I graduated high school. I had a horrible eating disorder for years, probably starting towards the end of my freshman year of college. You know, you're at school, no one's watching you eat, no one's making sure that you're eating. I would not eat. And I would walk to the Walgreens up the street from the school and buy diet pills and laxatives. And no one knew at first because I was good at keeping secrets. Also, not that this happens to everyone, but a lot of people who have experienced sexual abuse as a kid develop eating disorders, different kinds of anxieties, mental illnesses. Another thing that didn't maybe make sense to other people at the time, but was going to make a lot of sense to me going forward. Basically, I was just fucked up. And I moved back home and commuted to school for a little bit. And then I actually ended up like dropping out of school and doing something else for a while. I went back to school as an adult. I had said that before in one of my episodes, but I finally decided to go on anxiety medicine. It was just to the point where I couldn't function anymore. I was so anxious all the time. I felt like I was having a heart attack because not only was I not eating, but I was also not dealing with my stress and my anxiety in a healthy way. So I finally go on medicine and I'm like jumping around from different medicines because it is really hard to find one that works for you because something that works for me might not work for you. It's just everyone's body chemistry is different. I specifically remember being on one that I was not on for a long time and being at a park with my dog and my friend and we were walking around and I just stopped and looked at this tall tree and was like, I want to fucking kill myself right now. Like I want to hang myself from that tree. And she was like, yo, what the fuck? And I didn't, obviously, but I had such an intense desire to hurt myself at that point. I started to self-harm. I was cutting myself. And for some reason, that that's a release to a lot of people. I don't know how, because like thinking about it now, I could never. I cringe. I freak the fuck out if anyone touches my arm. If I touch my scars on my arm, it's just a constant reminder. But at that point, it was like, I did not care at all I was like I'm just this is just holding me over until I decide to take my own life tons of shit happened between then and now it's not like I need to list every single thing in chronological order but basically certain series of events lead up to me just hitting my breaking point my sister saw that I was cutting myself she found my journal that said I was gonna kill myself she said I'm giving you one fucking day to tell mom if you don't, I'm telling her. So I'm giving you a chance to talk to mom. If you don't, I will talk to her. Well, my sister didn't even give me a day. My mom comes fucking flying in my room the next morning, rips my sleeve up. What the fuck is this? Why are you doing this? And my mom reacted very poorly to this. I'm not going to deny that or say that she was supportive in this moment just to make her feel better. But she said, why are you doing this to me? I'm like, why am I doing this to you? Are you fucking kidding me? Do you see that I'm clearly going through something? She was pissed. She was like, you need to get yourself together. Like, get over this, whatever this is, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, she had no idea why I was like this. So not that that makes her reaction any better. But she was freaked out, was wondering what was going on. Why was I acting like this? I don't 
really remember how I stopped self-harming exactly, but I do remember my husband, you know, when we were dating or young and he was like, listen, I have stood by you through all of this. I love you. I want to help you. But he was like, if you don't eat, if you don't stop hurting yourself, like this is killing me. I'm doing horrible in school. I'm always worried about you. Like I just can't live my life like this and we're going to have to break up if you can't figure something out. So I guess at that point, I just kind of tried to stop doing those things and show him that, you know, I cared about him more than trying to somehow deal with whatever was going on. So I did stop self-harming and I didn't do it again. I just said to myself, you're not doing this. You don't need to do this. We'll figure something out. We'll figure out how to get through this, but that's not the way. And I struggled with my eating disorder for years and years. And I would be lying if I said I didn't still struggle on a daily basis, but it's easier and I'm more comfortable with myself now than I was. And I also have dealt with my trauma since then. Fast forward to me getting married. My parents obviously invited my uncle and my mom was like, you were so pissed. Didn't want him there. My mom tried to explain to me, listen, like sometimes you just got to suck it up because if we don't invite him, it's going to start more shit. Just be the better person. And I'm like, just be the better person. Like if only you fucking knew. So he comes to my wedding and he's a fucking creep to all my friends. He's sitting next to, so on my dad's side, we have second cousins, like whatever, but we don't have any first cousins. Basically my uncle doesn't have kids, so I don't have cousins on that end. He looks at my cousin, who is also his cousin, and was like, yo, I bet you so-and-so's pussy tastes like Skittles. And she was like, uh, what? And this was a friend of mine that knew my cousin, knew my sister. They all worked together at one point. So that was fucking weird. And then he looks at her boyfriend, my cousin's boyfriend, and goes, yeah, man, do you watch porn? And he was like, is this a fucking joke? Are you seriously asking me this at a sit-down dinner at a wedding? That's weird. Very weird. Then he said something to one of my mom's friends, but she never told me what he said. I think she was, like, horrified. So we're making it obvious that we don't want him there at that point. The people that he's sitting with at his table make him aware of that. He's literally not welcome here anymore. So he goes out into the parking lot and he goes and sits in his car for the rest of the night and sulks like a little fucking baby. Like you might as well have just not come. But anyway, so I'm married not even a year at this point and I'm at like literally, I'm in a psychosis at this point. I stopped taking my medicine before my wedding without telling anyone. And I was so proud of myself. Like, oh my God, I can live without this. And like today I'm like, I don't care that I take medicine. I don't care that I'll take it for the rest of my life. That doesn't matter. But I stopped taking it cold turkey, the worst fucking thing you can do. And I went insane. Tons of bad shit happened. I almost literally got a divorce. Thank God my husband is amazing and has always seen who I really am and knew that that's who I could be again, but I needed some major help. So my parents are like, what is going on? This and that. And I finally am like, listen, I started going to therapy and I need to tell you guys something. And I told them what happened finally. And my mom was like devastated. She said, I feel like a fucking failure as a parent. I failed you. I cannot believe that I let this happen. And I'm like, listen, you can't look at it like that because you didn't know. You didn't know. And once you did see things that were happening, you put an end to it and you made sure that we were safe. So you potentially protected me from this going on for a longer period of time. My dad wanted to fucking kill him. He was like, I will literally like, I'll kill him if I end up confronting him about this. So then my parents knew. And then I told my sister and kind of beat around the bush with my brother for a long time, but he knows what happened. And it was like from that day on, from me telling my parents about what happened, my life was completely different. I started to really dive deep into what happened with my therapist. She was like doing all different kinds of therapies with me, EMDR, like meditation, certain things. 
and just all this shit started coming back to me and she was like what can we do to make this better for you do you want to talk to him do you want to write him a letter what will make you feel at peace with this what's gonna allow you to move forward and i just was like nothing unless he is just dead and gone for some reason i just feel like i won't like why does he get to do this to me and nothing happens to him and I didn't want to write him a letter. I didn't want to confront him. At one point, my dad had actually told him that he needed to apologize to me for how he acted at my wedding. He almost gave him my phone number, but for some reason, my dad thought, mm, let me ask her first if that's okay. And I said, fuck now. I don't care what he has to say. Do not give him my phone number. I do not want him to contact me. He does not take accountability for anything he does. He doesn't think he does anything wrong. My grandparents baby him, so he thinks that it doesn't matter everything he does is fine he'll get away with everything and he fucking does and I told my therapist I was like you know although I'm not confronting him I do feel better that I talked to my parents about it and I do feel better just talking about it in general and really dissecting it and figuring it out and I started to feel like I was not a victim anymore I was you know they say oh you don't you don't want to look at yourself as a victim, look at yourself as a survivor. I just kind of stopped feeling like it needed to define the rest of my life in that. Although up until this point in my life, I had been totally affected by it and it changed the whole trajectory of my life and the way that my young adulthood was. I guess I just started to feel my own sense of peace because my mom also said to me, because I would always say to her, I wish he would just fucking kill himself. And I feel horrible saying that, but like my life would be better without him even breathing the same air on this planet as I do. She was like, people like him won't do that. They are narcissistic. He doesn't think that he does anything wrong. He thinks that his life means more than everyone else. Unfortunately, he will probably just wander the earth for the rest of his days without paying the price for what he did. And I, for some weird reason, took peace in knowing that no matter what, his life was always going to suck. He was always going to live with his parents. He was never going to have a good job, never be able to hold a job, never get married. God forbid he fucking had kids. His life just sucks. And when my dad's parents die, he's screwed. He's not going to have money. Even if they left him the house, he won't be able to pay the taxes on it because they don't have a lot of money to leave him and just whatever. Basically, his life sucks. My life is going great. And my therapist was like, okay, well, if that makes you feel some sense of peace, work off of that, then we'll work with that. At this point, I was on a different medication, which is what I'm on now. And my whole life just started to change. I had to do a lot of damage control for just things that I did and said prior to really dealing with this. I had to prove to people that I was a good person. I had to show people that I changed, although they didn't know why I was acting the way I was acting in the first place. But I disassociated at so many different points in my life that there are months of time that has gone by that I do not remember at all. Sometimes my husband will be like, oh, do you remember this and that and this and that? And I'm like, no. And it correlates directly to a period of time in my life where something was you know, out of control or I was not dealing with something properly. And I was just like a totally different person. And it didn't take long for my therapist to diagnose me with DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder, which is like a multiple personality. They don't really call it that anymore. But basically, people think, oh, if you have a multiple personality, you you know when you're your altar or someone else and you remember that but you just remember like it was someone else it wasn't you it was whatever and that is not the case you you don't remember anything because you're literally disassociated so that was like it made perfect sense because at so many points in my life I'd done things that I didn't remember or that were totally out of character that I also didn't remember doing and my mom was like, that diagnosis makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And I hardly ever share what my actual diagnosis is with people because that is 
something that is still highly stigmatized along with many other mental illnesses, but that's not important. That is not important for other people to know. If people want to, you know, talk about it because they can relate to me on that, then that's that's great. I'm more than willing to talk about it and open up about it more, but I don't feel like that is the most important part of my journey. It was more like the missing piece of the puzzle to make sense of things. From then on, I just got better and better and I worked on myself so much. I would go to therapy twice a week for a year, then once a week for a year, then every other week for a year, and then just as needed. And I love my therapist. I feel like some people have to shop around for therapists because they don't necessarily mesh with theirs and that's fine. But I just got along with her well. I felt like she didn't baby me. She was kind of like blunt and was like, this is what's going on. Why are you doing this? Like if I was doing something wrong, she would call me out on it. How are you going to fix this? You know, she never, never told me what to do. She just tried to guide me in the right direction. And I think that she did a great job. And I also think that everyone can benefit from having a therapist. It's just someone else to talk to who is unbiased. They're not going to side with you all the time. They're not going to side with someone else all the time. But doesn't it get old talking someone's ear off about the same thing over and over again? Like I know that I would complain to my mom or my husband about the same things and they're like, listen, like we're, we're here for you to vent, but like maybe you need to talk to someone else about this. So then that got foisted onto my therapist. So whatever. And I'm super grateful for that. And yeah, like because of all of this, we don't have a relationship with my dad's parents or his brother at all anymore. We would talk about that a lot at therapy too. My life is better without them in it. I don't miss them. I think it was kind of like a hard pill for me to swallow at first. Like I always wanted to fix things. I wanted to fix this relationship with them, but I knew that they were always going to support my dad's brother and side with him and no matter what I said or did they wouldn't believe me and it just made it impossible to maintain or or keep a relationship with them. I guess where I'm trying to go with all of this is that sometimes things happen to you in your life that you can't control and you can choose to do a lot of things after this. You can choose to look at yourself as a victim for the rest of your life, feel bad for yourself and not deal with it. You can move forward and either confront the issue, go to therapy, stop looking at yourself as a victim and realize that you're now in control of how the rest of your life is going to go. Paint your future however you want it to be. It isn't going to be your past. That part is not coming with you. That part is not going to be part of this new life that you're going to work towards. And I know it's so much easier said than done. And it took me until I was 30 years old to figure all this out. But once I did figure it out, everything made sense. Everything seemed easier. It was easier for me to just live my life in general because I knew what I needed to do to take care of myself at that point. I have a support system, which I know that not everyone has, and I'm doing really well. I still have days where I get really anxious or depressed or have, you know, nightmares. It's normal. That's normal. Like, nothing is going to ever be perfect no matter what you've experienced in your life. And I just acknowledge that I can never go back and change what happened, but I can change the way that things go from here on out. And I would say for the past five or six years, things have been amazing. I have been doing so well. I've done so much. I've accomplished so much. I'm living the life today that I couldn't see in front of me for the longest time. I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I would wake up every morning and be fucking pissed that I was still alive. Why didn't I just die in my sleep? Like something was going to magically end my life other than myself. And now I never feel like that. I still have bad days, but I never feel like my life is not worth living. I've worked so hard to not feel like that. So this is, this is super heavy and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced similar things. And maybe you're much farther along in your healing process than I am. Or maybe you haven't even started it. But maybe listening to this makes you realize that you do have the option and the power to change things. You're in control. Take back the control that was taken away from you. I know that my life is worth living. And so is yours. You might be going through something that you think is the worst thing ever. 
you're never going to get through it. You're never going to recover from it. You're never going to change things. But that's not true because I have been at the absolute lowest of lows that I could possibly imagine anyone to be in and I somehow got myself out of it. And yeah, I had help with my family, my friends, my therapist, but at the end of the day, I did that. I chose to do that, to change things and to make sure that I never had to feel like that again. I wish that people could see that. And sometimes people can't see that. People don't have anyone to help them. Just recently, actually, my dad's friend, he died by suicide and no one in his family had any idea that he was struggling nothing. My dad said he was the life of the party. He was just such an awesome person, so great. And I said to him, I said, dad, you know, there were times where I was 100% faking my happiness for years and years. I mean, for a huge part of my life. And everyone always says, oh, you're so happy and funny and outgoing and this and that. But it was just a facade. That means nothing. Think of Robin Williams. I mean, how fucking tragic is that? He was a comedian. People were shocked when he killed himself. Basically, people are living through things that you have no idea about because they don't want to burden people with their problems. They don't want to acknowledge that there's a problem. But my dad's friend just must have felt like there was no way out. He couldn't see a good future in front of him. He had two kids. He had a wife. And he left them. And you know that someone who does that is not in the right state of mind. They are suffering from mental illness because who would leave that behind who would leave a family that loves you behind you think irrationally and my mom and dad after that were like are you okay do you promise that you've been doing well like I'm like mom dad I'm fine but you know I was not always for a long time but I am today and I promise you that I am good but I have truly traumatized myself with the way that I've treated myself in the past. Thinking my life was not worth anything, that it was okay to hurt myself, that it was okay to try to end my own life. I think about that and I know that I'm not there and I hopefully will never be there again. But I think about the fact that there was a point in time where I did think like that. It freaks me out. I think I'm paranoid of going back there. But I've worked so hard to get here I have the resources that I need, the support system that I need. So I share this today because I think that it can help a lot of people even if they're not suffering from the exact same things or they didn't have the exact same experience. Feelings of depression and anxiety can often be very similar. You can relate to someone else on some level and I only share it because I think it will help to take the stigma off of mental illness and bring more awareness to it. So sometimes it's going to take a very long time for people to realize that something traumatic happened to them in their past and that is why they are the way that they are. And we act a certain way and do certain things as coping mechanisms to try to protect ourselves because we weren't protected in the past. Find someone, a friend, a family member. You don't need to have a huge group of people to have a support system. Sometimes it's just one person. One person can make a huge difference. And if you're not having a hard time with mental illness and you know someone that is, be that person for them. Even if you are literally just a shoulder to cry on, a phone call to let them know, hey, I'm thinking about you. Like, I wish I had that. I wish someone picked up the phone and called me and said, hey, I was just thinking about you. What's up? Yes, I am doing well now. Doesn't mean I won't have bad days. And same for you. Just because things seem bad now does not mean that they will stay that way forever. I promise you. There is something so much greater after all this. And the fight is worth it. That also sounds cliche, but I am so glad that I stayed. I am so glad that I was able to get help and that I'm here today getting to experience all these things that I would never have been able to if I decided to leave. I know I'm supposed to be here. You're a total badass. If you would have asked me 10 years ago to tell you something good that happened to me that year, I would have had to think about it for a while. I could not see the good in anything. I did not have a positive outlook. I just anticipated each year sucking more than the next. And now I'm like, oh, this year was great. 
what can I do next year to make it even better than this one? And it feels good to know that I put in a lot of work to be able to think like that, but my DMs are open to anyone who wants to talk about this. If you need some advice or help or anything, you have a friend that might be struggling and you want some guidance on how you might be able to help them. If you have suggestions about other things that you want to talk about related to any of these topics or any type of, you know, mental health or just in general, you know, personal wellness, I'm more than happy to talk about these things, but I just did feel like it is important to talk about. It was important for me to tell my story in order for a lot of this other stuff to make sense. I'm sure I'll talk about being super anxious about things or, oh my god, I'm so anxious today and you guys are like, what the hell has happened to this person? that they're so anxious but I'm glad that you're here I've said it and I'll say it again please utilize the resources that I named at the beginning of this episode if you're struggling they are great people want to help they don't just try to rush you off of the phone they don't try to fix your problems they just try to help you and get you to someone who can help you in that journey because at the end of the day no one can fix you There's nothing wrong with you. The world is a better place because you're in it. You have a purpose. People love you. And you might not love yourself right now, but one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be so happy that you're here. You're going to thank yourself for working hard to stay here. I appreciate anyone who has listened this far. I know this was a long episode. I know this was heavy. It's not laugh-worthy, but that's not what my goal was. This podcast isn't only to talk about funny things or entertainment it's also to open up a conversation about things that are so often put on the back burner things that you don't want to bring up because you don't want to put the weight of your issues on someone else but I'm here to let you know that I'm happy to carry some of that weight for you I want to help you I want you here I want you healthy I want you to be the best version of yourself because I couldn't see that before, but now I can't see anything but that now. You're so strong. You're stronger than you think you are. You feel like you have no strength to move on to get through the day, but you do. You just have to find it. You have to work on it. It's not going to just happen overnight. So next week, I promise it will be a more lighthearted and funny episode, but not everything in life is funny and happy. If you have any questions, suggestions, feel free to leave a comment on the post that I will put on Instagram when this episode is live. And as you can see, I jumped around all over the place because I didn't really have quite a plan for this, but that's what happens when you're scatterbrained. So until next time, hang in there. I love you and I'll see you next week. I finally want to be alive